M&M Investments. Minus four and a half on the road. I am all in against bad quarterbacks, no-name backup quarterbacks. Featuring Mutt and Merloni. A well-rounded football team. I don't think they lose four games in a row. I think right now it's about three and a half. Brought to you by Twin River Casino and Hotel. Check out the brand new sports book at Twin River Casino in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Now open. Here's Mike Mutnatsky and Lou Merloni. And we are back once again to preview all things Kentucky Derby. In fact, a week from Saturday, the first Saturday in May, Kentucky Derby 145. One of the great days in American sport where people who don't watch horse racing at any point all year, except for the first Saturday in May, they throw derby parties. They sent mid juleps. They bet with their friends in and around the house. They, they get themselves psyched up for That's what we're doing here. Kentucky Derby 145, the formerly across the board podcast. I guess now under the M&M Investments podcast, M&M, not Mutt and Maloney right now, but mostly Mutt for the horse racing portion of this, but Lou will be back, I'm sure, uh, for all things uh, football season once we get there. But this is going to focus on racing, and we've normally done this Derby Week. I I wanted to start earlier this year because I think we get to to Derby Week, and you want to get to the handicapping with Matt Bernie or Dick Girardi, whomever we have on, to handicap. I think there's a step before that. That is the... The preview, that is giving you an outline. And if you're listening right now, you don't have to be a degenerate like me. You can be a casual horse player who knows they're going to play for the one a handful, two, three, four times. They want to play some bets for the Kentucky Derby, and there's a lot of people that are like that. And I'm not here to tout anything, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you listen to these podcasts that we're going to do throughout the Triple Crown season, if you lose, you're going to at least be an informed loser. You don't want to walk in and say, it did no work, you bet some numbers, bet some names, and you lost when you could have listened to a couple podcasts, done a little bit of reading on your own, and given yourself a better chance to win on Kentucky Derby Day. And that's the whole point of this. Sorry, Jerry Callahan. I am not a tout. I'm someone who likes talking about racing, talking about gambling, and have uh, lucky enough to have connections that are much smarter than I am, experts in horse racing that are going to help us out. And that's the, the first step here today. Today is going to be, let's call it a Kentucky Derby overview for the race a week from Saturday. Uh, we'll be joined by Matt Berninger in a couple of minutes to preview the potential field and try to separate the field into four different categories. Real win candidates, exotics players, exotic fringe players, or exotic fringe, I guess, uh, and we'll call it tosses. And so I think it's sort of self-explanatory whether you really follow the sport or not. Win candidates we think can win. Exotic players somewhere in the exact and try. Fringe, maybe they get into the exact, but try and superfecta and toss uh, horses that I'm not going to be using at all. Uh, it's helpful if you're listening to this to have uh, some sort of racing form in front of you, some sort of probables list for the Derby, whether you get it on DRF.com, which I suggest suggest you do, or Brisnet, which you can print out to kind of follow along as Matt and I pick through this. But I think there are, this year especially, a top tier of horses that you can point to and say, these are the legit win candidates. There is no justify. There is no American fair, at least in my mind. Maybe after the race there will be and say, geez, maybe you should have known that. But it's a race where I think you can focus the top of your tickets around a handful of horses and feel confident that you've got the right ones and build tickets around that. And I've got my group, Matt's got his group, we'll debate back and forth over this field. And look, we've had six straight years of winning favorites in the Derby. That's impossible. Impossible. It is bound to uh, break up here at some point. And this feels like the year. If Omaha Beach is going to be a favorite, it's say 4-1, to 9-2 to two is where I've sort of targeted him. Uh, maybe a little bit lower, 
then to me it's a race where you, you want to go against the favorites. So today's activity is part of the M&M Investments podcast, which is now available on iTunes. Maybe you're listening there. You can now subscribe and listen and rate on iTunes under M&M Investments. Uh, you, we want to go through this field and give you the broad brush strokes of the Kentucky Derby field to at least put you in a position where you'll be able to go in and form next Saturday with some ideas. You're going to a derby party, going to Twin River, going to Mohegan Sun. You'll have a better idea than just showing up, opening the program, and saying, ooh, I like that name. Ooh, I, I like the number six. I'm going to bet that horse. This is going to at least inform you enough over the next, uh, not only this today's podcast, but next week as well. We really get into the deep handicapping here. Give you a chance to be in a position to make a little score, make a little something, and if you lose... You're an informed loser for the Kentucky Derby. That is the hope here as part of our Breakdown Kentucky Derby preview. Matt Bernier is going to join us getting you set for the first Saturday in May, one of the best days of the year, Kentucky Derby 145. Kentucky Derby 145, a week from Saturday, first Saturday in May, and we are taking our first real glimpse into uh, the prospective derby field with our guy Matt Bernier, who will join us to do some heavy handicapping next week. But I wanted to, Matt, uh, kind of a week in advance of this for the first time, Get an overview because uh, this doesn't feel like a Kentucky Derby where there is a major standout who you have to go in and beat. It feels like, uh, at least on the surface, more wide open the last couple of years. I think the the big difference this year as opposed to these last few years, there was one, like you say, that seemed like they were head and shoulders above the rest of the crop, whereas this year there may be one or two that, that seem like they are the horses to beat, but then you've got a number of let's call them sort of fringe win contenders, horses yeah. that you could very easily see getting the job done at a much more appetizing price that from a number standpoint, they're not that far off, but it does feel like you have one or two that you're going to need to beat if you're going to take a shot against them. But I agree with you. There's no justify. There's no American Pharaoh in this field. Who knows? Maybe we'll be speaking differently after next Saturday, but um, it feels like you, if you want to take a shot against, you probably can. But there's not on paper though, right? You, of course, one of these horses could emerge as a superstar, but on paper, right, you look at a horse like it, we'll get to him more in detail because I'm going to make you, I'm going to put you to the test here, Bernie. We're going to categorize these horses into four separate categories. I'm, we'll, we'll go back and forth. But like a horse like Maximum Security, who's got back-to-back 100-plus -back, uh, buyer speed figures, normally that would be a standout. I, I can poke holes in him, and if that's the case, then it's a race where there's some opportunities to, you know, find different winners there at the top of the field. No, 100%. And he's kind of one of those polarizing horses this year where it feels like he could very easily win this race or he could be finishing 15th when it's all said and done. Um, to me, the, the one horse that if there is one sort of, you know, air quote standout in here, and I recognize he's only won by a length and a nose this year in uh, Great Stakes Company is Omaha Beach. Just based on what he's done, he's been able to ship around. I know he's had his little quirks and his little, you know, quarter cracks, but that doesn't seem like it's that big a deal to Richard Mandela. He's the one that it feels like if there's anyone that could potentially be, you know, air quotes, a superstar, it's way too early to make that kind of call on any of these horses. But to me, anyway, it feels like he's the one that could end up being the star of the stars in this group. And maybe it's just me as a gambler, but the idea that we've now had one, two, three, four, five, six consecutive favorites win a race where Matt, where there are 18, 19, 20 horses lined up, that makes no sense to me. The odds of that happening are astronomical. And I don't know if it's as simple as they changed the point system and some of the sprinters that you know you and I grew up in with derbies where these sprint horses win sprint preps and they go into the derbies, these speed balls like keyed entry and just run off and set crazy paces and it would you know make the field uh, you know more spread out and, and separate winners. I don't know if it's as simple as that where the point system changed it, but this would be, let's say Omaha Beach wins. We think he's going to be the favorite uh, a week from Saturday. 
If he wins, that's seven straight favorites. That's impossible for the Kentucky Derby. It's, it seems like a statistical anomaly when you look at it that way, but I do think that the point system has gone a long way into not necessarily making the paces slower because we've seen over the past handful of years, some of these horses go out there and they're going 45 or 46. So it's not like they're walking, but I think it just has sort of added a layer of formfulness where the horses that are qualified are the best of the best for this sort of configuration as opposed to whether it is a horse, you know, a, a Trinneberg who we saw yeah. going out there and going crazy with Bodemeister a few years ago, he, he never had any chance of getting a mile and a quarter. These horses, particularly the ones that have won those final preps at a mile and an eighth, they all kind of feel like, you know what, you could very easily see them getting that extra eighth of a mile. So I think maybe from a pace standpoint, things haven't changed as dramatically as maybe the public perception is, but I just think things are a lot more formful because the horses that are there are actually the ones that are best suited to do this. Yeah, we had Justify, uh, Always Dreaming, Nyquist, American Pharaoh, uh, California Chrome, and then Orb. Uh, in the slop coming from way back to get it done at 5-2. to two. We'll see if we get a, a similar scenario. So, as I said, I don't want to do heavy handicapping today because a lot can change between now and next week. What I want to do is take an overview of this field and try to separate them into four categories to give people an idea, people listening now that want to start to get themselves informed, start to get themselves prepped for when the PPs drop and the post positions happen next week. They may have an idea where the, some of these horses fit, at least in, in our minds, Matt. And, I, and the four categories I came up with were legit win candidates, Exotics players, exotics fringe players, and then like tosses, which, you know, uh, maybe people won't toss horses. They want to play superfectas and they're trying to, you know, get rich there at the bottom. Then, you know, this might not be for you, but there are some horses where I just know I'm not going to use on anything other than like one, two percent of my tickets. And you mentioned Omaha Beach, and I'll start with him. He is one of, I got to hear Matt is five real win candidates in this race a week from Saturday. Uh, Tacitus, game winner, improbable. Roadster, Omaha Beach. If the winner, the winner could come from outside that top five. If they do, I wouldn't be shocked. But I am pretty confident a week out from the race that the winner is coming from that list of five. Would you have anyone else, or what would your list of real win contenders look like nine days out from the Derby? Yeah, I've, I've got five horses that I look at as stone cold win contenders. Then there's a couple that I could go either way on. The five that I listed were Tacitus, Omaha Beach, Roadster, by my standards, and game winner. Um, I, by my standards, I guess would be the one that seems like he's a little bit kind of off the, the radar, but that's simply because, and look, I thought the Louisiana Derby was fine. I thought it was a decent enough effort, but it sounds like he, you know, there's always that one horse leading up to the Derby that people are just raving about how he looks and how he's training. This horse has been breathing fire for about three weeks now. And I, I you know, I look at the pedigree. I don't know that I'm sold on a mile and a quarter with him, but and we know historically, recently anyway, the Louisiana Derby, maybe it's not the most productive race. Um, but boy, you know, if you believe the clockers and you believe the people down there at Churchill Downs, it sounds like by my standards, it's kicking the walls down. Well, so you're buying into the, the workout. My, my, and I have him further down my list. I, I just question you. So if you have him as a win candidate, it took this horse four races to break his maiden. He jumped into a field in Louisiana Derby, which I don't think was a great field this year. And is out of golden sense, who, as you said, not sure you want to go to a mile and a quarter. Those are a lot of ifs for a horse going up against some other, the Bob Baffert trio, Omaha Beach. That seems like a lot of questions for this horse to answer at a mile and a quarter the first Saturday in May. No, absolutely. But I do kind of look at it, like you were saying, not including the folks playing superfectors or trifectas. Yeah. But if you're playing an exacta or even just straight to win, this is probably going to be a horse you're looking at probably in the 15 to one range that if you just believe some of the figures out there, he's not that far off. And you're right. It did take him quite some time 
to finally break through. But visually, when he did win that race two starts back, I thought there was something there. Keep in mind, the buyer speed figure was adjusted after the Louisiana Derby for the maiden score. He was actually much slower leading into the Louisiana Derby, according to buyer associates. But, you know, again, that's they're trying to make the most accurate figures that there are. So they went back and adjusted accordingly. Um, if you believe that, and again, I, visually, I loved the maiden score. And then he came back and he was determined to win the Louisiana race. Uh, it makes me feel like he's he's trending the right direction where there's some of these other horses I, I kind of go back and forth on. All right, so you left out uh, of your win candidates improbable. Who a gun to my head right now? Given the perspective odds, he would be my win choice. I have to admit, you not including him and in your top five because I respect your opinion that that much. I'm wondering what I'm missing uh, from a Bob Baffert horse who has been just there. He was lost by a length to Omaha Beach. He was a three and zero to start his career, including uh, you know some major wins back as a two year old in December. What am I missing with Improbable where you don't even have him in your top five right now as a legit win candidate next Saturday? No, I, it, it, I don't think it's that we're missing anything. I think it's just more a matter of, to me, he's been a little bit, let's say, inconsistent. Where, you know, it's been a situation where the blinkers went on in the Arkansas Derby. The Rebel 2 starts back. He, he was a little bit green looking out at the grandstand. Uh, he was very sort of, he was acting up in the gate in the Arkansas Derby. To me, it almost feels like, I don't want to say he's an incomplete project right now, but Baffert changing the equipment, going back and forth before the biggest race of his life. And I look, he's won at Churchill Downs. That's a big check mark, something that a lot of these horses haven't done yet. And it's, that's not a given that all these horses will be able to take to it. I just, I have him as sort of one of those borderlines. I could see him winning the race. I have him listed as an exotics player. I won't be surprised if he runs well. I just, the last thing I want going into the Kentucky Derby is a horse that I don't think is a finished project, and I kind of feel that way about him probably. Yeah, and I'm willing to take 8-9-1 to one to find out, at least right now, and a lot can change between now and next week, but the blinkers will come back off. It sounds like for the Derby, you look at the Bob Baffert numbers uh, in Matt's product, the ERF formulator, his numbers are excellent. When the blinkers come back off, they're they're good when they've been on, then off, so there's some some stuff there that, that works out for him. You mentioned your exotics players, Matt. Uh, you give us your top five. Who are those you have listed in that next tier of horses in this Derby? Yeah, I have Improbable listed as an exotics player. Now, keep in mind, the way that I'm going about it, I'm thinking of horses that maybe they're not necessarily giant win contenders, but I'm definitely using them underneath yeah. an exactus trifecta, certainly superfecta. So I have a horse like Improbable as a prime exact or exotic player. Uh, long-range Toddy, I think there's a chance that he just didn't like the wet track most recently in the Arkansas Derby. Prior to that, he upset a horse like Improbable. I feel like if you like Improbable, you probably should like long-range Toddy. A horse like Tax, who I think is just rock solid. He may not be the sexiest horse in the race, but I think he's going to come with an honest effort. Uh, and the other sort of hard-lined exotics player for me, uh, and even a horse that I'm considering picking, depending on how things go, is win-win-win. Um, I just think that he, had he not been stopped in the bluegrass on the far turn, I think he had a chance to at least get there and be closer to Vacoma when it's all said and done. And again, we talk about the pace situation. You'd imagine it's going to be a swift one. I think he'll be rolling from the back. Yeah, my exotic players, You, I, I have four listed as well, and you and I are similar on a couple. Tax and win-win-win uh, for the reasons you mentioned. The other two that I'll have included in mine, I'm going to include Vacoma and I'm going to include Code of Honor. Uh, Vacoma is a horse that you know, he got a, a soft pace there in the bluegrass. It was a track that was uh, definitely favoring to speed and inside horses that day. But it's shown different running styles. I don't think Bacoma needs the lead in this race. I don't think they have to go to the front in a race where there might not be, Matt, a confirmed front runner. And so the ability to be part of the pack early but not need the lead, I love that with Bacoma. Even though he's got kind of a weird running style, people say it looks like a turf horse when he runs, but uh, he's going to be a good enough price where I'm going to use an exactus and trifectus for sure. And then Code of Honor, who I get it. 
He, he's a slow horse early. When you look at the, the pace projections for this race, he is way, way back. But of all the horses that are going to make one run from, from deep here uh, and did so on a, a track that was uh, speed favoring and a slow pace in the Florida Derby against maximum security, I think Code of Honor has a big, big chance to break this exact up, maybe break up a Bob Baffert trifecta here. And I'm going to use those two for me in that exotics players realm. Yeah, I've got Vacoma listed as an exotic fringe. I, I don't I don't argue with anything that you laid out. There's a part of me that is still a little bit dubious, and really it goes for both of those horses, uh, Vacoma and Code of Honor. I'm just not totally convinced that the additional ground is going to be to their liking. And, look, Code of Honor, I think, has the running style that is a prime sort of player to hit the board, whether it's second, third, fourth, that kind of thing. Um, but I just, I, you know, as the distances get longer, I'm still not 100% convinced that two of these horses are going to appreciate going that extra eighth of a mile. I think they both might be one-turn horses when it's all said and done. Uh, for my friend, just my biggest category and one that, again, exact as unperfect is only for me. You mentioned by my standards. Uh, you mentioned uh, Heichel, War of Will, Long Range Toddy, uh, Cutting Humor, Country House, and then Spinoff is the one, those last two, Country House and Spinoff. Man, I don't know where you rank these horses, but you know, Country House is going to be coming from way back and, and a late developing horse maybe, maybe people's Belmont horse. Start looking ahead to that. Spinoff is the one that I cannot get a grasp on because he's, he's run fast races. He's got a great trainer under his belt. Um, he just is so inexperienced. But if you look at the just the raw numbers he has and the, the combinations, then he might be a horse that's going to be 25-30 to 1 that could be part of that front vanguard in the Derby and just continue to run on and catch a piece of the exacta and try. What does your group of fringe players look like for the Derby? Uh, fringe, I went with Vacoma, Pluska Parfait, uh, Code of Honor, High Cal, War of Will, Cutting Humor, Country House, Spinoff, and I'm debating back and forth about Great Magician. But yeah. as far as Spinoff is concerned, you know, I, I guess the reason I'm sour on him is probably a, a horse player's worst nightmare is that I loved him in the Louisiana Derby. <laughs> and I watched that race over and over again. And I go, I don't know how he lost it. He should have won by five. Yep. And instead, By My Standards comes and runs him down. I think it was a combination of two things. By My Standards running a, a very credible race. Yeah. And also spinoff, he kind of goes back to the improbable theory for me where I don't think he's a finished product. I think he's still a little bit goofy out there. And, you know, the last thing I need is a horse, you know, getting eyeballs of the the 170,000 people that will be there next Saturday looking up at the Twin Spires when he's supposed to be focusing on these other horses that he's throwing it down with. So I, I don't I don't question the talent. I think it's there. I just I wonder if this is a little bit too much too soon for him. Uh, and for me, you mentioned a couple horses that I just can't I can't stomach imagining using in anything other than some long-range plays, plus K Parfait, Grey Magician, and then uh, Master Fencer, the horse coming over from overseas. Those three, to me, I, I can't see including, really, basically in any ticket whatsoever. If those, guys, if those horses are involved, they're going to be huge prices anyway. But I, I've made cases for big prices before getting into his actors and tries in the Derby. I make a, can't make a case for any of those three. Do you have any tosses on your list for the Derby? Yeah, Master Fencer is a stone-cold throwout for Goodbye. Me. Uh, yeah. You hear some of the figures uh, translating. He, he might be a kind of a 75-buyer horse. He, he's more likely to run last than first, it seems like, anyway. Um, Gray Magician and Pluska Parfait, I understand, you know, the, the UA Derby, not usually a productive race. The only reason that I'm, I'm wishy-washy on toss or a fringe player for Gray Magician, because I think he ran a better race than Pluska Parfait did over in Dubai, but... Going forward, I just look at the pedigree of Pluska Parfait. I think he's going to run all day, and I think he could be that prime kind of clunk up fourth kind of finisher where if you're playing a superfecta, and that's why I'm going to use him underneath because I think there's going to be a real scenario where some of these horses just don't want the distance, 
And I don't know that he's that good, but I think there's a real chance that he just continues to chug along at the end of the race, and maybe he can get a minor award at a giant, giant price. So uh, Puska Parfait, of those three, he's certainly the one that I want underneath. Uh, how will you approach this thing? So you, we're doing a kind of a courtesy look, uh, a glance at how we're going to rank these horses out. But, you know, they, they have not got post positions yet. Nothing's finalized. There are some other horses on the outside looking in that are outside the top 20 of points that could get in. I don't want to get into those because, you know, who knows what happens. But what is your approach between now uh, and next Saturday? How does Matt Bernier get himself ready to make picks on DRF, make picks on TV, make your own wagers? What's your process between now and then? For the most part, the work is done as far as handicapping is concerned. You know these horses. You know how they like to run, where they're going to be positioned for the most part. Um, the post-position draw is obviously a major piece because if anybody draws the one hole, yeah. that's a major disadvantage. Borderline changes in entirety. If, if one of these win contenders draws the one hole, they may be a complete throwout at that point. Who knows? We don't want to get too far ahead. Need to keep an eye on the weather, obviously. Who knows what the situation is going to be here in about 10 days' time. Could end up being beautiful and sunny. Could end up being wet. We'll find out. Um, but for the most part now, I'm going to get into this sort of territory of, of these win contenders. Who do I love? Who do I love, love? And say, you know what, this is a horse that I may end up picking in the paper or I may end up picking in any of our video previews. And then that's going to be one that I'll probably put most of my weight on. I'll be readily sort of transparent here. My wager over the past handful of years for the Derby is the Superfecta because, look, I know there's some randomness to it underneath, but that's the race. That's the wager to me anyway. That could be not just the year changer, but depending on how the chips fall, could be a life changer if you get some craziness. And again, in a year like this, as you alluded to at the top, Mike, that you know, if you don't believe in some of the, the shorter prices this year, this could potentially be one that's just wild and you have a bunch of crazy results. So when you say shorter prices, Matt, let me... a little bit involved there. Uh, on the shorter prices, I mean, what, what would you expect right now? If I tell you uh, Omaha Beach is 9-2, to two, is that a legitimate, you know, price? Forget morning line, but what he goes off at. I think it's I think it's four to one, nine to two, uh, and would be lower except that Baffert's got three legitimate win candidates. What is he the favorite? Is game one of the favorite? Who do you have as the favorite a week from Saturday? Yeah, I think Omaha Beach is the favorite. Nine to two, I think would be generous. I think he's probably in that seven to two, four to one range. You and I don't see it too much differently there, but it's I close, think he's close. the favorite when it's all said and done. Um, I think the Baffert horses of the two. As far as the ones taking money, I, I, I lean more toward game winner as opposed to roadster, not just personally, but more so people are more familiar with game winner than they are with roadster. And I think, you know, say what you will about, about jockeys, especially in a race like this. I think people are going to look at the Mike Smith thing and say, well, he chose Omaha Beach over roadster. He must be better. I don't know if that's entirely true or fair for either of the horses, but uh, I think that's also going to be part of the reason that some of the wagering slides a little bit toward Omaha Beach as opposed to the, the Baffert horses. Um, I don't know who I'm going to end up betting on. We'll do a lot more uh, deep dive next Thursday getting into once we have some odds. Um, I, I will say for me, uh, what's changed the most from from handicapping this is kind of sort of a neophyte handicapper to whatever I am now. Uh, I, I One thing I look at more than ever, and you already referenced it, is the workouts because we have seen horses like Barbaro jump off the page and Mike Welch and your guys at the Daily Racing Forum and the Clockers have tried to tell you this horse is really, really training well, and a lot of times that has led to some of my only real scores in the Derby, in fact, have, have started from the clock reports. Is there, uh, is there something you look at now more than, say, you did five, ten years ago, Matt, the next week or so, something that's become more important as part of your handicapping as things and technology and your game has changed? Yeah, I, I think it is how the horses are coming into the race, and I know that sounds just very basic and straightforward, but it is one of those things. You alluded to it. Barbara Orb was training yeah. lights out leading up to the Derby, and the wet track didn't deter him. 
And I look at this year right now, and, and clearly the buzz horse leading into this race, there have been a number of them training well, but the buzz horse is by my standards. And in a normal situation, I probably would look at him as maybe an exotics, maybe even a fringe kind of player. But if he's training this well, and I, I think Brett Calhoun does a really good job, I kind of have to, I, I would feel stupid Saturday night if all of a sudden I had everything else lined up and I didn't have him. That was me last year with Audible. I threw Audible out of the top four. I had everything else, and it was $20,000 Superfecta. I don't want to make that mistake again this year with a horse that it seems like he's training lights out. One other horse to keep an eye on is War of Will because the Louisiana Derby was an unmitigated disaster. The ground broke out from underneath him. Sounds like he's training well. To me, I'll throw out some kind of cockamamie sentence here. I think he'll run well in the Derby. I think he'll win the Preakness. So you're already picking the Preakness winner on April 25th. So the NFL draft is tonight. The Bruins are just going to start the second round, and you're giving us a Preakness winner today. Yeah, you know, you got to go out okay. on a limb sometimes. Good. Well, we're going to hold you to that. Uh, we'll get you out on this. What is your worst derby pick? And I will go first because, look, I when it comes to the derby, I do not have some great track record of success. Uh, I think Orb was the last horse that I picked on top and made any sort of score on, and that was 2013. So it's been a while. I'm convinced looking back at my, my picks, and this was painful to do last night, some of the horses I picked. I think Frisian Fire is the worst derby pick that I have had. I sat there at Mohegan Sun and told people I'm going to bet Frisian Fire today, given the track condition that day, given his history. I am embarrassed uh, to have said that out loud to people outside of my own home. Do you have an embarrassing derby pick, Matt Bernier, in your resume, on your resume? Well, I mean, I, I, if we're just going based on finish, I don't think I can get much worse than last year because I was on Mendelssohn. Um, That's true. That well, you, out, you're, you're, you're obsessed but, uh, with it. You're, the European imports, that is a Matt Bernier special. Well, when, when they merit consideration, and I think in the long run, I understand maybe he didn't end up winning one of the giant races, but I think in the long run it bore out that he was one of the better three-year-olds that ran. Yeah. Um, as far as, i, I got to be honest, one of the first years that I actually paid attention to the Derby, uh, was, I don't even remember what year it was, but I picked Sydney's Candy. And looking back on it, I mean, it was pretty obvious that the mile and a quarter was never going to work for him. And he took and, that ridiculous bet at Vegas. Was yeah. it one of the, I, it was Floyd Mayweather? I think bet Sydney's candy like last minute, right? It went down to almost favoritism. Yeah, I was going to say I think he went off somewhere in like the five to one range. And looking <laughs> think, back on, I bet that, him too. I think laughable, you know. Um, and and really, again, it is one of those things. I look back, and, and we all oh, we all can look back. Yes, say, of course. What, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? But. You know, I, I think it is part of the thing. That's what makes the Derby as fun as it is. You can take a chance on some horses that, you know what, in normal circumstances, they probably don't fit the bill. In a race like this, there's so much chaos, there's so much uncertainty. I think this is the opportunity. If you're going to go out on a limb, go out on a limb in this race. All right, I'm going to go. I will put the list together of uh, our four categories here. Win candidates, exotic players, exotic fringe, and then tosses. I'll put those out uh, on social media here in the next uh, couple of days or so. Uh, you can get Matt's uh, information on Twitter at Bernier underscore Matt. Uh, works for the Daily Racing Forum. Uh, I'm sure videos starting early next week. Matt, what's the plan for coverage up until uh, Derby Day next Saturday? Yeah, we'll start recording things on Tuesday next week. Those will probably be the stakes previews for Friday's races, Oaks Day. Uh, there will be two additions to add to the gate. The Derby preview will probably be up on Wednesday sometime in the afternoon. So, uh, every stakes race that you could possibly imagine next week, video.drf.com. Uh, he's Bernie underscore Matt. Great product there with DRF Formulator, which where I'll be, that's all I'll be handicapping beginning uh, Tuesday when this thing becomes official. We get post positions, we get PPs, and we get uh, handicapping before next Thursday. Matt, we'll talk next week and into the heavy stuff. Good stuff today, man. Thanks. Sounds good, Mike. All right, there you have it. A broad overview of Kentucky Derby 145, at least the probable list right now. That could change you now next Thursday. That's why we'll be back, we'll be back next Thursday 
to really get into the deep dive handicapping of this uh, Kentucky Derby. Uh, Matt Burner, you're back next week. Some other special guests as well. Uh, you can get the podcast, this M&M Investments podcast, which will include, yes, now across the board, and our horse racing previews for the Derby, the Preakness, the Belmont, Travers, Breeders' Cup, football, baseball, all the gambling you have you come to enjoy from the M&M Investments podcast, the football with Lou and myself. You get right here on WEEI and subscribe on iTunes as well. You can do that. Leave a rating, leave a message, and uh, we look forward to uh, bringing you this podcast on iTunes here in 2019. So you got a weekend here to get yourself ready. Uh, you got some replays to watch. You got some uh, work to do. And the next Thursday, we are back with a cast of thousands to preview the Kentucky Derby, the deep handicapping. Do that next week here on the M&M Investments Podcast.